sure how um, how they stand up here to direct the choir because it is not very even up here. Bill, we need some work up here. I think I'll scoot backwards. Little loosey goosey. Maybe I'll scoot forward. That's a little better. All right. Um, I do have some pictures that were sent in, um, and I wanted to share those with you. Um, let's see here. Um, the Kelsos went to the parade. Did you guys go to the parade here in town, the Christmas parade? And Hannah was there as well, and um, just a good time downtown here in Emmett. Um, next set of pictures. Um, we did have our teen bazaar here, and Santa was here, um, and, and there's lots of different pictures with Santa, with Pep, um, checking out the different pictures that were sent to me uh, from different people, actually. It's kind of interesting. Uh, even at, at, at their home. And then there's Callie, who's, you know, standing by a huge Christmas tree there. Makes, makes. And then the, the, the Cornets sent some pictures in. I think this is Blake, a great-granddaughter who's just enamored by the Christmas tree. It's beautiful pictures. And then this is Matthew, their son, and their latest great-granddaughter, right? And that's Harper, is that right? Very cool. It's fun to see. And then Spencer was decorating her tree, Spencer Crump, and got it all beautiful. Those pictures were sent in. What else do we have? The Kennedys went and found a tree to cut down and use that for their Christmas tree. Some cool pictures there. And then I think, oh, this is another one um, of the concert. Who went to the King and Country concert? Did anyone? A few of you did. Uh, heard it was really good. Had a fun time. All right. And then Beth had to send us pictures from Hawaii. Um, you know, as we're enjoying our cold weather, she's enjoying the black uh, sand of the big island, and she'll be back today, right? Is that tomorrow? So she'll join us in our misery. So, very good. Um, well, we started a, a sermon series uh, last Sunday looking at the story of Christmas, and we talked about how, um, because the story is so familiar to us, that, that honestly... <laughs> Um, it's celebrated by almost everyone, whether they're believers or not, right? And sometimes the story gets told in ways that just maybe aren't completely true to the actual story because, because we're so familiar with it. I think sometimes we rush through the story and don't uh, notice all the details maybe. Um, and let's just be honest. We live in a remake world. Uh, we love to take our stories um, from our favorite movies, from our favorite books or whatever, and, and rewrite them, right? I mean, just think about all the different stories, somehow rebuilding them and making them better um, and in the, in the way that it happens, there is some tweaking to the story, right? We've done this with all of our Christmas stories. You think about the Grinch, Santa Claus, uh, the Scrooge. I mean, multiple times these stories have been rewritten, and why not Jesus' story, right? Just keep tweaking things a little bit. And by the way, if you haven't seen the, the new movie out, um, the Journey to Bethlehem movie, it actually is pretty good. Um, it is a musical, so be prepared for that. 
That's kind of fun. Um, but I, I don't think it, the original version of the story was a musical. Right? Maybe it was. Um, but Antonio Banderas is in the movie as King Herod. And anything with Antonio, Antonio Banderas in it, I mean, it's got to be good, right? Um, and it also has one of the king and country brothers in it as well. He's one of the main characters. But again, it, it takes some creative license. It does a pretty good job. But it does take some, take some creative license to the story. And, and really, I think, to, to combat the, the layers of rewrites that we end up finding, um, I think it's important that we take time to actually go back and read the real story, the real Christmas story. And not just glance at it or just kind of read quickly through it, but actually to really look at it. Unlike the, the usual Hallmark tale where the difficulties always get kind of washed away in this glorious celebration, there are parts of the story that are real life, right? There are some challenges that don't get resolved, at least in this lifetime, right? When we really look at the Christmas story, it's actually a story that has a lot of hardship in it and, and even disappointment with God. I mean, think about it. A lady not being able to have a baby <laughs> and then... Later on in life, when she's beyond her childbearing years, then she can have a baby. Well, that's great, right? Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you for that. I mean, there's some blessings in this, of course, but ladies, let's just be honest. What would that be like? <laughs> there's some real difficulties with that part of the story, right? Especially in that time period, there, there aren't the same conveniences that we have here. And a young couple who seems to have had this great relationship, and then she comes up pregnant before they are married. And you know what? They're saying that it's not his baby. I mean, isn't that a crazy part of the story? There's some trouble with that, right? And when the baby comes, they're not in some the comfort of their home, enjoying some time together, surrounded by their family, taking care of them. No, they're on the road, right? <laughs> they don't even have a place to stay. This is not a Disney tale. This sounds like real life with real difficulties, right? And because it's real life, when we take the time to dig into the story, what it's about, <laughs> we actually get an opportunity to move past a momentary kind of fuzzy, uh, warm, fuzzy moment at the end of a fairy tale to actually find some real hope. Because in the midst of this real life with real difficulties, there's a real God that's involved. And it's my hope that as we examine each of these major characters and look at what they endure, that we begin to maybe even see our own stories in their stories. Things that we've gone through, the difficulties that we've had to work through in life. And find hope. Even at Christmas time. So, Join with me this morning. We're going to move into Luke chapter 2 this morning. And if you want to turn with me there, we'll be looking at another part of the story that's very familiar to us. So don't let the familiar story fool you. Work to read the story, right? Notice the details. Luke 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth 
in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I mean, just a really simple sentence, but there's a lot in there, right? (laughs) While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So let me just kind of help you get into real life a little bit, right? You're planning a vacation. That's always fun. You like anyone not like vacations out there? I mean, we like vacations. That's fun. And it'll be so great to get away from work and um, to get out of town for a little while, enjoy some downtime and enjoy whatever you're going to do there, right? Relaxation. And then the actual travel part starts. You either hours in a car or maybe hours in a plane, and those are tight quarters usually, especially for some of my size at least. Difficult to stretch out, can be claustrophobic at times, not, not quite so comfortable. That's not what I really enjoy and when I'm thinking about vacation. In the plane, you're surrounded by potentially sick people, right? And, and maybe even some irritated or disgruntled people, Um, maybe even some crazy people, right? Screaming kids, maybe. I don't know. There's lots of things that could happen there. And, and, And not to mention these long lines to get examined to see if you're a terrorist or not. We like that, right? That's a great part of the vacation. Oh, and, and the long layovers. Those are the best parts of a, of a vacation, right? Getting to spend extra time being locked in an airport. Um, yeah, beautiful times. Of course, if you take your car, thankfully, the kids never act up, right? And they never have to go to the bathroom at the wrong time. I mean, we just stopped and you have to go to the bathroom now. And car troubles, they don't happen on vacation. There's just no such thing. The car always works, right? Amen? And when you arrive at your destination during the holidays, it's usually someone else's house. I mean, we do sometimes go to hotels, but not very often. We're at someone's house. And as nice as that may be, there's, there's just something about the privacy of your own home and your own recliner, your own bed, your own routine, right? That makes you feel comfortable. But not at someone else's house. You're not even sure when it's safe to go to the bathroom. I mean, has anyone ever had that experience where you're laying in bed and you're hearing people go to the bathroom and back and forth and you're thinking, well, do you think it's open now? I mean, you don't know, right? And during the holidays, it's even worse. You might not even have your own room. Maybe even not your own bed, right? And if you think traveling during the holidays is crazy busy, crazy busy, try traveling when the whole nation has to travel, right? I mean, we see pictures like this on when they have to leave the country because of war, different things like that. That would not be fun. But it's in the Christmas story too. They all had to go to their hometowns. That's a lot of movement. How many hotels do you think they had back then? Honestly. And the truth is that in those situations, you're not even expecting to find a place to stay. You aren't. You're just hoping to find maybe a decent piece of dirt to lay your head on and and maybe not have that rock right in the back of your, you know. I mean, they didn't have air mattresses back there, right? 
Now imagine, and this is a big imagine, now imagine you're being forced to take that trip by some foreign government. The Roman Empire from some far-off land has conquered your nation, right? And is forcing you to be counted. Why are you being counted? So they can better rule you. So they can better tax you. So they can better show you how powerful they are. I mean, doesn't that sound exciting? Isn't that fun, right? I mean, there's nothing plush about this story, is there? You know, in movies, when sometimes they try to develop this unbelievable scene with all these things going wrong, over and over, things happening, I'm pretty sure this could be a worst-case scenario, even beating any of those scenes that they try to fabricate, right? Being nine months pregnant, traveling in very unstable quarters, right? Not sure when and where things might happen. Oh, and then there's this whole riding a donkey for 80 miles. <laughs> have you ever ridden a horse on a long trip? I know you guys probably have, right? It's not what they make it out to be in the movies. I've done it before, and it's not fun. In 80 miles, that would be a long, long trip. And the fact that she's actually riding on the donkey <laughs> says that she's not in very good shape. She's a ticking time bomb, right? She's going to pop. <laughs> the Christmas story doesn't give us all those comfortable and even safe feelings, does it? It's a story of a people group that's being pushed down, that's being pushed around by this invading army, the Romans. The routines have been thrown in upheaval. They, they, they could do absolutely nothing about it, right? They couldn't do anything about it. Doesn't that sound like real life? And our main characters, Mary and Joseph, get displaced from their home. They have to make this long journey to a place that was not their home. That wouldn't be fun. <laughs> And the craziest part of the story is in spite of all of these difficulties, this was God's plan. This was God's plan all along. I mean, just think about that. You remember the prophecies hundreds of years before Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from um, of old, from ancient times. I mean, this Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem, right? It's what the prophecies told. So it wasn't just the Romans that we can blame in the story, right? It's God who had Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem when she was nine months pregnant, right? Think of all the planning that had to, to take place just to get all these pieces in place to get this thing to happen at the right time, right? I'm a simple guy. I think, I think that I'm practical, and I, I can recognize when a plan is just not going to be very easy. And why all the drama, really? I mean, wouldn't it be easier for God to pick someone who actually lived in Bethlehem? Why wouldn't he do that? Honestly, why have Mary travel when she was ready to give birth? 
Isn't there some risk to that whole plan? What if she ends up having the baby along the, along the way, right? Then he wasn't born in Bethlehem. He was born somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, right? And think about it. Both Mary and Joseph had to know. They had to know. Angels showed up to tell them, right? That they were going through this difficulty because it was God's plan. Does that make it any easier? Think about it. When we're going through tough times, we usually find encouragement in God being with us in spite of the troubles, right? But how about God not only being with us, but also being the cause of the trouble? I mean, when I think of cooperating with God's plan for my life, I'm, I'm usually thinking glorious things, right? Not difficult things. Yet this story is so true to life, isn't it? Don't we experience these kinds of times, even though God is part of our lives, we go through difficult things, don't we? Can't we relate to this story when tough times come at no fault of our own? In fact, in this story, who's at fault? Again, if you get past the God part, it is the Romans, right? These, these nations' leaders, the higher-ups, they're the problem. Do we ever have trouble because of our nation's leaders? That's a loaded question, isn't it? And what, do, what can we do about it? <laughs> yeah, pray would be a good answer. It seems hopeless. Yet as we process through what Mary and Joseph went through, we can actually see through their periods of discomfort, we can find hope. I mean, we have a choice in the matter, don't we? To not just survive, but to actually find encouragement. Not because everything's going easy, but because the plan of God is moving forward. Even at our expense, right? The plan of God is moving forward. To think about the story, God is still in charge. God is still at work, right? God is still with us. God still has a plan for our lives. In fact, as we talked about last week, think about the impact on the whole world because of this plan of God, right? Salvation, redemption for millions, literally millions of people because of the difficulty that they went through, right? I mean, can we trust God's plans even when we are going through difficulty? That's a loaded question too, right? Can we trust God even when we don't understand what in the world's going on, right? So allow me to point out three takeaways from this part of the Christmas story. The first one really is hard to think about. First of all, God wants to use our loss of rights for his glory. Did you hear what I just said? Pastor Brian, that doesn't even sound American, right? <laughs> but that's the scenario being played out in the story, isn't it? Mary and Joseph are being pushed around like pawns by some foreign government, right? Listen to verses 1 to 3 in Luke 2 again. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus, he's the main dude, right? He issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now think about the full story in Scripture. Go back a few chapters, and, and actually more than a few chapters. I mean, think about the promised land, right? That promise that God had given to Abraham way before is this land that, that was to be given to the Israelites by God. And I mean, it was going to be amazing. And it was amazing. They actually received it. <laughs> amazing gift of God. Yet centuries later, the Israelites lose it. Babylon comes in and conquers them, exiles them, right? And then other foreign powers came in, and then finally Rome comes in, conquers them again, brings them under the rule of their empire, right? And that meant Rome could tax them, they could do whatever they wanted with them, right? That was the political climate when the Christmas story takes place. Do you think there was any disappointment going towards God in this, right? Why are we not experiencing the freedom in the promised land that you promised us, right? I mean, think about it. How could this happen? This must have felt like a dark time for the Jewish people, right? Yet again, think about the full story in Scripture. Throughout their history, God consistently worked in the darkness, right? To bring about Israel's deliverance. Even when, and maybe because, his people had lost all their rights. And God worked miraculously to, to free them, right? I mean, he worked miraculously through Joseph in the Old Testament, delivering his family out of a famine, right? When the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, God worked miraculously through Moses to take them to the promised land. And now, though they are a conquered people to Rome, could God possibly move again? Is that part of the story? And this is, this time, it's not just to save the Israelites. It's to bring about the salvation of the whole world through Jesus and take them to an even greater promised land, right? I mean, think about it. Mary and Joseph had already had to choose whether they believed the impossible was possible with this baby that was coming. They passed the first test. When Mary became pregnant, they stayed together as a couple. They believed, right? But even though God was moving, the world around them still looked dark. They were still a conquered people. It was darkness. I mean, we look at these candles up here, and it just kind of strikes me. That's a not a whole lot of light being lit for hope and love so far, Right? And yet the darker this room gets, the more light you would see. Is that true? <laughs> Could they stay believing in the miraculous even when difficult things kept happening to them? People of God, the news. I don't know if you've noticed lately. <laughs> Doom and gloom, isn't it? There's not much good news out there. And and even we have a tendency towards hopelessness when we consider the dark world that we live in. Can God still move? Can God still do the miraculous? 
Those are questions. Those are real questions, right? Or maybe it's exactly these times when we finally get to the end of ourselves and our plans and even to the end of our hope in our government (laughs) and start putting our hope somewhere else in someone else when God moves. You think? And yet this is tough. When we face difficulties in life that are much bigger than us, I mean, this is a global crisis, right? Global scale. We don't always feel like going to God when we have global scale type problems. We don't even think about God, actually, I think. But who else is there to go to? Honestly, who else is there to go to? But this is still clearly a choice for us, isn't it? To trust in God. Difficulties offer us a chance to grow closer to God even. To begin to trust in Him for the impossible again. I mean, the greatest work that God wants to do in our world will often come about because of His people's proper response to difficulties and disappointments what we talked about last week, right? What is the proper response to difficulties and disappointments? <laughs> to turn to Him. To trust Him, right? When we choose to worship instead of complain. When we choose to trust Him rather than give up. <laughs> what do we get? We get to be a part of the great moves of God, actually, Right? When God starts moving in a miraculous way, we get to be a part of that. And the question really is, will we trust Him? Second takeaway in this story, it's about the journey that God has, not just for Joseph and Mary, but for us. Look at the story again, verses 4 to 5. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. <laughs> now, there, there's just no other way to say this. At this point in the story of Mary Joseph's life, it's, it's a wreck. It is in complete upheaval, isn't it? Everything's, everything's changed. This was no vacation. This would have been an intense very difficult journey to take. Yeah, they were called to keep moving and fulfill the purpose of God for them, which was what? Bethlehem. They had to get to Bethlehem. The small city was this critical part of the promise of God that was given long ago about the coming Messiah's birth. They had to get to Bethlehem. That that great big plan of God required this crazy journey to Bethlehem. (laughs) And many of us have dreams in life, right? And sometimes we put them on the back burner waiting for things to settle down in life, right? Eh, I'll do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. But, but I've got to let things settle down a little bit, right? But the problem is that life just doesn't seem to settle, does it? Not very often. If anything, life just seems to get more and more hectic as we go along. At least that's what I've noticed. 
And this could be said for Mary and Joseph. God's plan for their lives did not wait for things to settle down in their lives, right? God's plan for your life doesn't stop just because life is going crazy. You don't get that option to just quit life until everything settles down, right? I mean, there's a psychological model called the learning zone model. And it proposes that there are three different zones, um, states of being, and we are in one of them, okay? We're either in the comfort zone, the learning zone, or the panic zone. Now, you can put yourself in whichever zone you think you're in, right? And what's interesting is that in the comfort zone and the panic zone, there really is no learning taking place. There's no growth taking place. Growth only takes place between the two crazy parts, right? The comfort zone and the panic zone. And I think many of us have this false conception that if God is leading us, the journey will be easy. <laughs> the journey will be comfortable. In fact, I can tell that it's God's plan because things are going perfect. I'm sorry to tell you, but that's just not the way it goes. Not if you're reading the Bible, right? I mean, even the fact that you think it'll all make sense, right? I know that it's God's will for me because it makes sense to me. But look at anyone God has ever used in so any of the amazing work that he's done, right? And you will see difficulties and challenges. That is part of, it seems like it's almost required, right? It's outside of our comfort zone. It's, it's in the learning zone that God grows us, that God uses us. And this actually makes sense, doesn't it? Because because it's also where we get to the end of ourselves when we start trusting Him, right? God's journey for our lives is a struggle because it takes us out of our place of comfort, right? And into the place that God has for us, which is not usually comfort, <laughs> right? Maybe you're in that place right now, a place in life when you just aren't experiencing comfort. You're not experiencing convenience, right? There's no need to panic. There's no need to complain. <laughs> There's a reason for your discomfort. Now, I'm not saying that God is behind all of our discomfort. That's not what I'm trying to say, but the journey that God has for us, we can be sure if God has a journey planned for us that he is going to go with us, Right? But more than that, it's not always going to be easy. And he's prepared the way for us, right? I love the message of Deuteronomy 31.8. It says, The Lord himself goes before you, will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Don't you love those encouraging words? But just the fact that do not be afraid, do not be discouraged is in the verse. What does that mean? <laughs> Why would I need to be afraid or discouraged when everything's peachy, right? There must be something going on. <laughs> God has a journey for you, right? And he goes with you. Don't be afraid. Just take the first step. Don't, don't fear the craziness of life. He's with you. Will you trust him? The third takeaway. 
God has a place for you. Verses 6 and 7 of Luke 2. While they were there, the, teen, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger, and because there was no guest room available, because there was no guest room available for them. And again, this is another great tragedy in the story, isn't it? It's easy to kind of scoff at this notion that this innkeeper, this family member, whoever it was, didn't offer them the, a nice sweet. I mean, this is, this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. Why wouldn't you have something better prepared for him, right? Don't you, don't you think? I mean, how could there possibly be a place, though, that was perfect for the birth of the God-child? <laughs> Honestly, is there any place that, that, that the innkeeper could have put them in that would have been good enough for the Messiah, right? There are no earthly accommodations that would be adequate. So, of course, there was no room for them. Nothing like this in the history of the world had ever happened. This was this huge, singular moment, this God moment, this God-inspired, incredible moment, right? And as believers, our lives should frequently feel like there's no room for us. We shouldn't always fit so nicely into this world. Did you know that? We're not at home in this world because we aren't of this world. This world can't fully contain our purpose. At least it shouldn't. People should have a hard time fitting us into their box. In fact, Paul encourages us in this. Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. We shouldn't be like this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind goes just right along with the world, there needs to be some renewing done, right? It's what Paul's talking about. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we must not conform to the place where we feel comfortable in this place. It's hard to think about, isn't it? Your journey in life will look Nothing like anyone else's journey in life. There's, that's because God has a unique plan for you. He has this great story that he's telling, and you play a very specific purpose in it. You have to allow God to shape you into what he desires you to be. You aren't called to play someone else's role. You're called to play yours. There's this unique journey mapped out for you, right? Are you going to be brave enough to take that adventure, to go with God? That's the question. One of my favorite Christmas movies, I'm sure it's one of your favorite Christmas movies, if you like Christmas movies, is Elf, right? Starring Will Ferrell as Buddy. Now what's interesting about this story is when, when Will's character was a baby, he accidentally climbs into Santa Claus's bag, right? And he's brought to the North Pole. And what do they do? They keep him. Who keeps a kid, right? They would have to take him back if they were really North Pole workers, but that's just beside the point in the story. The rest of his childhood and into adulthood, this poor, this poor buddy, he's raised like an elf, isn't he? And unfortunately, he quickly outgrows the elf world. He's just too big for it. He's not an elf, right? He was born different. And while it felt like he was being rejected, by that place, 
It felt like maybe that there was no room for him there. He just was different. He was born to live a life different than that of the elves. True? While we aren't humans living in an elf world, we are eternal creatures living in a temporary world. Right? We won't fit in it because we were born for something different. Do you ever feel out of place? (laughs) Do you ever feel like this isn't quite... Do you ever feel like there's just no perfect fit for you in this world? Doing what God called you to do just doesn't seem to make you feel comfortable here. Well, that's good, actually. You're in good company, actually. When you follow God and blazing new trails, you're visiting territories that no one else has seen and So there won't be this place for you. The good news is that God will prepare the room for you. Right? Where do you see yourself in all this? I mean, how do you respond to this kind of story? There's just so many difficulties in it, right? So many disappointments. And the innkeeper was not the only one with a choice about Jesus. Whether he was going to make room for him or not. We all have an opportunity to prepare room for Jesus in this season, don't we? When we face difficult times, we have a choice. We can choose the Christmas story. (laughs) Christmas, the story that shows us that God's story is so much bigger than us. That God is capable of working miracles even when things don't look bright. I mean, they look dark, actually. God has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you, right? He has a plan for us. So will we choose that plan? Will we trust him? Will we choose to not get discouraged when our expectations aren't met? When we're struggling through some type of difficulty, will we keep going? Will we see God's plans come to fruition? That's the Christmas story, isn't it? So pray with me. Lord God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the stories that we see that are so real to life. I mean, there's just no making up these stories. And yet, Lord, you are a part of these stories. You are actively involved in these stories. And you're also actively involved in our stories. Lord God, we just thank you that you are a God who allows us to participate in your stories. You allow us to participate and be used in sometimes amazing ways. And yet, sometimes those amazing ways can be difficult ways. Not quite so comfortable. Maybe not something that we would choose for ourselves. Lord God, as we go through these times in life, Would you just help us to trust in you? Would you just help us to have the the frame of mind to even think about you? Think about the story. Think about how you interacted, how you got everyone through it, and the impact that it made on our world. The people that were impacted just because someone was willing to trust you. 
even through difficulty. Lord God, we want to be a part of that kind of story in our lives. We're so thankful that you love us and care about us and that we can trust in you. And Lord God, I, even as we're praying this morning, I just can think of several in our family, church family, that are going through some difficulties. And we just want to lift them up to you even this morning, Lord. I think of John and Edna um, just trying to find some healing and getting back on their feet. And Nettie, think of Larry and Jeannie, and Cheryl and John Sullivan and Dan Hytree and uh, Tammy and Mike who are preparing for surgery this week. And Lord, there's some difficulties there. But Lord, I just also want to just praise you for the church family that you give us. I mean, who else can relate to us through these crazy times of trusting in you and our church family? You've given us a church family as a gift. And we want to just give you praise for that. It's a great church family, and we just want to give you praise for all the things that you do in our lives. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to put our hope in you. You are a God worth trusting. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we close? Another part of the Christmas story in John 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's our hope, isn't it? We trust in the Lord. So people of hope, in whom do we put our hope? I hope it's in Emmanuel, God with us, right? Let us go and continue to remember and trust and hope and worship and in so doing, maybe we could be a light to someone around us, offering some hope to people that we encounter this week. So go as the people of God. May God work in your hearts and lives as you trust in Him. You are sent. <clears throat>